Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. We continue a little bit where we left off last week. Last week we talked about how courage is contagious and that it's important for us to be willing to sacrifice fear and choose courage. And as we become courageous individuals, it helps others become courageous. And as we help build each other up in courage, the dynamic of a, of a church changes. There's an expectation that changes. There's a reality of faith that changes because we're experiencing the tangible power and faithfulness of God when we are courageous enough to do something that we're incredibly fearful of. When we break out of fear and fear of rejection and, you know, fear of failure and fear and fear and fear, and and we decide to do what God says to do, things happen quickly if you allow it to. And today we're going to talk about delay. Who loves being delayed? Yeah, there's always one. I mean, come on. Do we like delay? Who rejoices when your flight is delayed? Who loves, they say it's going to take 20 minutes to get a table and it takes three hours. Delay inherently is frustrating because there is a goal that's so important that is being kept from us. First of all, delay is a noun, which is, you'll see why I'm talking like this. As a noun, it's the period of time at which something is later postponed. So the delay on finishing this project is going to be about three weeks because of this. Okay? Delay is also a verb. Okay? Make, it means to make someone or something late or slow. So as a verb, I can delay you today from eating lunch. By talking, and talking, and talking. We delay doing things we don't. Who's ever delayed? Like, we delayed not going to the dentist. Because we just don't like going to the dentist, so we delay. We find uh, any reason not to go. We delay. It's a verb. We're delaying. We're preventing that goal from being achieved. Because there's something about that goal that we don't want to achieve. Delay is the biggest, one of the biggest Achilles heel in the maturity of faith. We often delay obedience. And it's not a, sometimes God delays, there, there's a, God will delay us for a period of time as a noun. So, and so there, there's something for us to do within that time. That's different than us delaying obedience. I'm delaying moving forward with what I know God has placed in my heart to do. I'm making a ton of excuses and delaying because I don't really totally want to or trust that. So I'm going to delay. We're delayers. Faith is hard because it speaks to the unknown. And therefore, we delay because it is unknown and it's uncomfortable. And there's so much about it that's risky and often We can live a life of delay and wonder why we're not growing. 
Courage and delay go hand in hand. If we recognize delay, often it takes courage to pop out of delay and obey. Well, that rhymes. Who's ever missed out on something just in life because you delayed? You wish you didn't delay. You have that regret. Oh my gosh, why did I spend so much time thinking about it? If I just would have acted, that would have been mine. Or that could have happened, but I was too scared and I delayed and it didn't happen. It's the worst feeling. I want us at some level to understand there's always some level of obedience to exercise. We don't want to live in a constant state of when we come to the end of the day saying, oh man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have said that to that person. I know God was speaking. I wish I didn't delay. We don't want to be just living in this this, this delay mentality and not recognizing it until after the fact. I want us to recognize our tendency to delay in the moment because it's powerful. Because discomfort is not something we seek out. And we can give us ourselves every excuse not to be obedient to what God is saying. But if we don't delay, things happen. You have to trust me. They do. And I think many of you know that. Let's look at this um, in Luke 9, verse 59. So Jesus says, he says this. He said to another, follow me. Calls on this dude, follow me. But he said, Lord, cool, but let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, well, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. It sounds a little <laughs> insensitive, doesn't it? You don't know if Jesus he just didn't have his coffee or just something was just, it just seems a little harsh. Right? Because it's not like the guy is making excuses. And he doesn't mean his dad is dead and he's waiting to be put in the ground. What this really meant was let me go take care of my father until he passes. Then I will follow you. So Jesus is talking about the principle of delay. And this, he's like, you can't even put family obligations ahead of obedience. Don't hear what, I, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> We all have obligations. In this particular account, Jesus was giving this person the ability, come, Jesus, in the flesh, on earth, come follow me. And this person was still like, I can't, just let me go for this indefinite period of time until my dad kicks the bucket and then I'll come. And he's like, no, time is short. Let the ones that are lost and don't have this opportunity take care of that. But you are called of the kingdom, and my will has to take precedent over every obligation. It's a mindset. No delay. When Jesus speaks, you go. No matter what it is that you think is in the way of that obedience. If Jesus is calling, if Jesus is saying move, we move. Watch this. Verse 61, and then another also said, Lord, I will follow you. Have we all said that to Jesus? But, let's all say but, but, one more time, but, here comes the reason for delay. But, let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Let me go and say bye. Let me go and deal with all, all this and the people. If you go back, sometimes you get stuck and never come back. This is the scary thing about delay. God speaks and we make every reason not to listen in that moment and we get entangled again. And once you get entangled, it's hard to get out. We, I think all of us at some level have had, probably had a moment when God spoke so clearly and then you left church and then it got all crazy. And you started thinking of all the ramifications and all the stuff. And, then you, like, and so you're literally going back trying to say goodbye to it. How am I going to say goodbye to it? How am I not going to do this? What am I going to do without this person? And all of a sudden, you're stuck again, and the feeling has gone. That's called delay. And it's the danger of delay. And Jesus says, no one putting his hand to the plow is worthy of my kingdom. And looking back is fit for the kingdom. You see, I'm like, what would it? I'm not a farmer. I don't know many that are. So the whole plowing metaphor missed me. What's the problem with plowing and looking back? I mean, big deal, right? Well, back in the day, and they may still do this, they would, the, the farmer would keep his eye on something in front of him so the lines would be straight. And if he took his eye off it, the lines would not be straight. And I don't know about any of you, sometimes this is what our faith feels like. And we're like, why? Because you're delaying and you keep looking back and trying to justify old things and holding on to old things. But you know God is saying, don't do that. But you're like, but I need it. And it's like, you're all over the place. And fit, you're not fit for the kingdom, actually means useful. It's pretty direct, isn't it? No one that delays, no one that wants to look back and get entangled again and delay obedience is useful for the kingdom because the kingdom of God is about obedience and loving God with our whole heart and mind, right? And strength. You can't do that in delay. If the love of your life, the one that you have dedicated your whole life to says, go and do you do. That's the kingdom of God. That's how we grow. That's how we become an army. That's how we become a mature believer. God doesn't give commands as a suggestion. Often we hear something that we need to hear, and you're like, "Eh, well, I'm I'm not ready yet. When are you going to be ready? See, God doesn't call you when you're ready. (laughs) It's the nature of following a king. But see, we live in the world that worships flesh. Do you know that? Aleister Crowley, pretty much he wrote the Satanic Bible. I think like the first line in the Satanic Bible is, do as thou willst. That's the worship of flesh. Satan is always after the worship of flesh. And by worshiping flesh, you're worshiping the enemy. And flesh says, I'm going to delay because that doesn't feel good. We have to know we are battling principalities in darkness. There is a spiritual battle going on. And if we feel like we have time and can just delay and wait, we're going to miss it. Like, there's a sense of urgency that I have for all of us. We don't have much time. I'm not predicting the future. But the time is obvious. 
When we see what's happening out there, it is obvious that Christians need to be people of action, not waiting. You see, the kingdom of God, think about it. The kingdom of God, yes, it's heavenly, but we're a part of it living down here. And when you see that this is a war between two kingdoms, it changes how you do life. There's a seriousness to life that we have to hold on to, that we have to understand, is that the enemy would love you to delay obedience because that means he's gaining ground. He's gaining ground. I think the church has been lulled to sleep at some level because church has become more about how you do church and church and organization and social. I'm not saying every church is like that, but it has at some level been lulled to sleep because we're not aware of the real battle that's going on. And we don't realize that obedience is required on a daily basis and we delay and delay and delay. Hey guys, and when you hear God say, and I say, be, obey God, A lot of us think it's going to be this huge thing. He's going to make me pack up and like move to Guam. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about little pieces, little steps of obedience because it's in the little steps that you grow. If God says you need to talk to that person and just say something that is of encouragement, but you don't know that person, are you going to say no because it's awkward and delay? And maybe next time. Or you need to reach out to that person. Or you need to forgive that person. Or you need to actually stop this particular action because it's killing you. You see, but we delay. And the longer we delay, the more of a stronghold the enemy in our flesh has. Because we really, for the most part, battle ourselves in the old man and the old woman. The old man is like, just wait, Russ. No rush. No rush. Oh, yeah, there is. Teach me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. You may not have tomorrow. We can't keep waiting for something to change before we exercise obedience. We have to act on what we have the power to act on now and what we know to be right. Because we're not promised tomorrow. You see, it all comes down to this, John 12, 23. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will what? Often delay spiritually is because we love our life. We love it. We may even hate it in the things that we do, but we love it because it's familiar. And we delay. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him what? Follow. Follow. It didn't say sit, think about it, and then, you know, Come two weeks after I've already, no, follow means, now, come, now, let's go, now, follow, walk, turn, right turn, left turn, come, now, follow, follow. There's no delay in following. You do it because your life depends on it. So how much do you want 
growth. How much do you see yourself as a soldier in the kingdom of God? As a child in the kingdom of God. That your life matters for the kingdom of God. And that eternity is going to be within the kingdom of God. And we are here now to exercise obedience to the king. So that others can populate the kingdom of God. But delay, delay, delay. If anyone serves me. And where I am there, my servant will be there also. Why? Because we're following his lead. We're listening to what he says. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. So what do you think we're going to work on sacrificing? See if you're paying attention. Delay. So we're going to work on sacrificing what? What? Well, you guys do not sound enthused. (laughs) This is like practical walking one-on-one. If you want to grow, you have to identify principles that are going to lead to growth. God will speak to you. God will lead you. God is with you every day. There is something for us every day to exercise obedience. If you want to grow, don't delay. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Hey, you know, tell, imagine if I told my daughter, you know, hey, Angela, will you clean your room? Yeah, Dad, in two weeks. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Oh, <laughs> how about you spend the rest of the two weeks in your room and don't leave? But this is what we do. Oh, I'm going to do that later when, every, you know, when everything kind of settles. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do that. He's like, no, no, I'm not asking you to do that. You're not promised tomorrow. And he who does not do the good that is of today sins because they're too busy planning for future obedience. So if you're writing anything down, write it down, write it in your head. God will always provide immediacy of opportunity. He will. He will. He will always provide you immediacy of opportunity because we are surrounded by opportunity every day. So I don't want you to be thinking huge step missionary. I'm going away for six years. I'm talking, you get up and maybe God says, I need a little more time in the morning. Okay. I need you to be kind to that person at work today. Okay, I need this. I need you to stop talking like that. It's actually not healthy. I need you to forgive. I need you to exercise grace. I need you, right? It could be, I don't, it could go on and on and on. But we have to be, like anyone that's a soldier understands that your life is lived by waiting for the command of the higher-ranking officer, right? But we still can get caught up living for ourselves, and therefore we delay because what we have to do is more important than obedience. That's how warped it's got. Because God is all about us. No, he's not. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. He is, but he's not. Do you see what I mean? We've twisted it to it's just like, oh, it's just like uh, he's my blanket, my weighted blanket. 
And yes, there's that aspect, but it's in the comfort and security that he says, now go and know that I am your refuge. I am your strong tower. I am the place that you find refuge and safety as you are moving. It's time. It's time. If God has spoken to you about something, and you know it, some of you here today know that he spoke to you, today's the day. Stop. Maybe it's a stop. I need to stop. I just need to stop. Then stop. Don't delay. There's this person that's been on your heart. Okay. Today's the day. Today's the day. See, this is how the kingdom of God begins to advance is by just simply listening and discerning the voice of God. And some of us don't even know how to discern it because we so are entrenched in delay that we talk ourselves out of it in an instant. And we don't get the opportunity to experience like, oh yeah, that's it. Here's the deal. This is the biggest thing about delay. And this is, I'm included. Some of us delay because we're so afraid that it's wrong and it's, it's the wrong choice. And we're afraid of what would happen. Who cares? You see what I mean? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have talked to that person. <laughs> they did reject me. See, a dear friend of mine said this. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. We are so afraid that what we are sensing is not of the Lord that we don't move. Sometimes you just got to move and see. One of my favorite passages was when Paul was trying to get into Asia to spread the gospel and the Holy Spirit stopped him and did not let him enter. But he was going there because he thought that's where God wanted him. It was up to God to say, no, you actually need to go this way. But he was still going. We are such control freaks. Come on, you all. We are. Faith. Actions in faith take faith. Nothing is guaranteed except God is with you. But we so much want to know. We want to know. We want to know what the outcome is. We want to know. We want to know. Sometimes you're like, I'm not going to let you know because nothing's going to happen until you act. (laughs) So much we want guarantees. And God doesn't give guarantees except that he's with you. (laughs) Right? That he's with you. We gotta stop being afraid. You gotta stop being afraid of what the world brings. You gotta stop being afraid. We're in a culture of fear right now, y'all. And it's, it's become a way of life now. Fear has become a way of life. For a year now, caution and fear, it's, but it's, it's embedded itself in a whole ugly way now. You see what I mean? Because Satan will take something that's healthy and then twist it. And now it's like, God is like, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I haven't stopped working. Fear not. Fear not. Let's look at the flip side of everything. Let's look at Matthew 4.18. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they, what? What? One more time. See the difference? Immediately. Was there delay? No. Not only did they do that, they left their nets. 
They left their livelihood and followed him. What did the other two guys do? Well, I mean, okay, I do, but hold on. These guys left everything they knew and immediately left. Immediately followed. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and what? What's that word again? They left the boat, and who? Oh, poor guy just sitting there alone in the boat. You're going to leave me with all this? Sorry, Jesus called. I know it'll be okay. And they followed him. Delay. See why God's grace is so good? We may not have that opportunity, but a new opportunity will present itself. Don't beat yourself up over lost opportunities. Just determine in your heart to not delay next time he presents something. Look at this, Luke 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Who's heard the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector? Okay, if you know anything about the story, he was hated because of what he did. He was a professional thief. He, he, it was like, it was allowed. I mean, he, he, was, he was empowered by the Roman Empire to, to steal from his own people. He was hated, the least likely candidate. But watch. And he sought to see who Jesus was. He was curious, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he could have asked anybody in that crowd, anybody. He chose Zacchaeus, someone that was outcast, hated, marginalized for a reason. He picked Zacchaeus and says this. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, what? That means hurry. Hurry up. Now. Make haste. He, why did the writer put that in? Why is it so important? He didn't have to say that. Luke didn't have to say that Jesus looked up and said, make haste. He just said, hey, he could have said, Zacchaeus, come on, I want to come over to your house for dinner. But he said, make haste. There's a point here about Jesus often required instant obedience to experience him. And so he called out to him, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. He said, not tomorrow. If he didn't come down from the tree, Jesus would have kept going and stayed somewhere else. And so here Zacchaeus was. And so what did he do? So he made, do you see how important this is to the story? He did exactly what Jesus did. Immediately he made haste. He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And he could have been, he's up in that tree, and he could have been like, oh my gosh, people hate me. I can't do this. They're going to think this. They're going to talk about me. This and that. He could have thought of it. I'm too short. How do I even jump out of this tree? How did I even get up here to begin with? I didn't even think about that. Now I'm stuck in the tree. How do I get down? He wants me to make, okay, I guess I'll just jump. You see, there's so many different things that could have gone through his head. But he's like, okay. And I just, I just picture a trust fall. He's like, someone get me. And Jesus just catches them. That was the first trust fall. You didn't know that. So, do you see the principle at work here over and over again? Immediately. Make haste. Now. Don't wait. Don't delay. 
If you are willingly staying in something that you know God has called you not to do, why are you staying in it? Why are you delaying? That's only a question you can answer. Or if there's something that God has put on your heart, but you've not vocalized it or acted on it, why are you not? That's only a question you can answer. Luke 19.7. But when they saw it, they all complained, just like we knew. But it didn't stop Zacchaeus. They all complained. They all judged, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. So not only did Jesus, Jesus got the brunt of the rejection, and right? He got the brunt of the judgment. He didn't care. Jesus was all about the immediacy. He saw Zacchaeus. Come on, let's do it. I know everyone's going to think so. I don't care. I'm the son of God. This is what I'm here to do. Come. He knew what people were going to say, and yet he still did it. And sure enough, they did. He's going to be a guest with a sinner. Then, I would love to, when I go to heaven, I want to know what happened at this dinner. I want to know the conversation. We just get the highlights. It says, then Zacchaeus, same day, stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. But I'm going to wait a couple months because I don't know how I'm going to live. You know, I mean, it was, he was convicted and he knew that the way he gained money was dishonest and therefore he was cut to the core. He repented and right there he says, I return even more than I took. There's no delay. Sometimes, guys, we got to act on our conviction. We got to act on it. I don't know why we don't do it more often because we're scared. God will move. I am telling you, he will move when you act. He promises. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So no matter what you're worrying about out there, he's greater. He's got all that figured out. And if anything, he's going to transform your mind so that doesn't even bother you anymore (laughs) like it used to. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now let's look at John 4, 25, woman at the well. We're not going to read the whole account, but she was a Samaritan woman. They, Jews hated Samaritans. It was a big rift. They despised each other. There was no expectation on the part of the disciples that anything would happen there except Jesus just needed to get some water. But yet here this woman was at the well and Jesus starts talking with this person that he really shouldn't have been talking to as far as the Jews were concerned. And the woman said to him, well, before that, he read her mail, pretty much just saying, well, I know you've been married, I think five times. You know, he told her things that you know, only God would know and it blew her mind. And so the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, well, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Now watch this. The woman then left in such a hurry that she left her water pot. Let's not miss that detail. There's an immediacy. She didn't just leave because the conversation was over. Something happened in that transaction. She was moved. She was changed. She was alert to something, so much so that she left her water pot and went her way into where? 
remind you, she was rejected and outcast. She was known for the type of woman that she was. By no means would anyone want to listen to her. So she had every reason to delay. Why are they going to listen to me? They're going to think I'm crazy. They already do. They already want to keep their distance from me. Guess what she didn't overthink going into the city and opening her mouth. And went into the city and said to the men, what woman? I mean, it it was a different culture back then. What do you, don't talk, especially you. Said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And what did they do? They immediately responded to her little testimony. Was it full with a ton of theological evidence? Did she have every question answered? No. She just said, guys, you got to come and see. This guy told me everything, which was hyperbole. But it was enough for her to sense that he knows everything about me. you got to come and see this. Sometimes that's all we need to do is just testify how God has changed us and moved us. That's all we need to do. We don't have to win an argument. We don't have to convince anybody. Because again, obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is. And they went off to the city and came to him. Wow. Immediate, immediate, immediate. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, now, here's the priorities of the disciple. You need to eat, Jesus. You need to eat. You're tired. You're hungry. You need to eat. That's the number one priority. Jesus is about to teach him a huge lesson. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Now, they still didn't understand. The disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? I didn't. Wow, what is it? Did one of you sneak him a loaf? What's going on here? I'm confused here. And Jesus said to him, all right, guys, listen, my food is what? It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was giving them an important principle that above all, Jesus, as well as us, are all about our food, our nourishment, our strength is doing the will of God. Say, guys, I can get to eating later, but what you don't understand because you're not considering that this is a harvest, that these people are worthy of my message, you're not even seeing this as opportunity. I do. So I'm not going to get bogged down with eating because opportunity is coming right now. And so he goes, do you not say Do you, us people, not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? This was a proverbial saying, meaning there's no hurry. There's no hurry to do this because it simply takes time and you can't avoid waiting. It was like, just relax. Just relax. Take your time. He's like, don't you just say, take your time. It takes time for the harvest to mature to the point of harvesting It takes time. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, not with the kingdom of God it doesn't. Because this is why. He goes, behold. He goes, check this out. That's wrong. (laughs) Opportunity isn't out there. It's right here. 
And we can't wait for things to get better and settle and this and that and be sure. He's like, no, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. This Samaritan city full of dirty, disgusting Samaritans. Look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. There's an immediacy to opportunity. Wow. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Wow. We can spend a few weeks just on that. The reason why there is always opportunity in harvest is because if the kingdom of God is doing their work, some of you are seed planters. Some of you are waterers. Some of you are harvesters. If all of us are bold and courageous and don't delay, we're going to be all three. You don't know what your words mean to somebody, but it might plant a seed. It might plant a seed. They may not react favorably, but you guarantee it planted a seed. And maybe you're watering. Maybe then you come along and someone has this stirring and then you say something and do something. And all of a sudden, this thing begins to grow. It's like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. That was like crazy, you know. Still, they're like, Ugh. But then some of you, the harvest is ready. All you got to do is just step in. And it was like, well, that was easy. I should be an evangelist. Man, did I have my arguments nailed down. That was easy. No, this is how the kingdom of God works. These people were prepared. They were ready. And so Jesus was acting on the immediacy of the opportunity as well as the people of the town were. And it was converging. Woo! Who wants to converge with the power of God? Don't delay. I don't want us to live a life looking back and saying, man, there was a ton of unharvested opportunities. Come on, y'all. I don't want us to live with that type of regret when we get to the end and say, oh man, if only I didn't delay. I'm seeing all the opportunity I had that was unharvested because I was too busy delaying and justifying not being obedient. There is opportunity all around. That's why God designed us for connection, and to see others, and connecting with others, and discerning by seeing others. And that's becoming harder and harder to do. Isn't it? Now watch this. And many of the Samaritans of that city, and many of this, here's the harvest, you all. And many, not all, many, that said, he believed in him because of what? The word of who? That was the, pl- the most bland, uneducated word I've ever heard. Hey, guys, this guy just told me everything. Could he be the guy? I don't know. That was basically what she said. That's what she said. But it was enough. For whatever God was doing in their hearts stirred something, and they're like, well, we gotta go see it. You know, they did. Because of her word, they believed enough to go. You don't have to be eloquent. Trust me, speaking here is different than speaking with strangers. If I did this in front of people, they'd be like, get away from me. 
come up for air, bro. You know what I mean? I don't preach at people. No one wants anyone to preach at them. I'm just kind. And I try to discern opportunity. And so, because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. There it is. That's what she said. So when the Samaritans had come to him, now they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. Wow. Talk about immediacy. He could be like, no, I just was here. I was here just because I was thirsty. I got, I, got, I got places to go. Just figure it out yourself. Talk to the woman. She seems to know a lot. <laughs> no, Jesus stayed. I can't imagine the disciples. What? Are you serious? This place stinks. These people are foul. Are you serious, Jesus? Uh-huh. And who brought you the food that we don't know about? They're still confused. <laughs> so they are, and then many more believe because of now Jesus' own word. Then they said to the woman, but now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves now have heard him. And we know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that awesome? Is it making sense? God is going to speak to each of you individually. You just have to be open to it and be willing to just jump into it and say, okay, I might look a fool, but that's okay. I might be opening myself up to some real uncomfortable feelings and emotions, but that's okay. See, God knows where he needs your obedience, and he's going to speak. And this is why we need to be clear-minded. Over and over again, Scripture says, be clear-minded, be clear-minded, be clear-minded, be clear. Why? Because we need to be clear-minded to be able to hear. And the more we act and the more we obey, the more clear-minded we become because the power of God becomes so much more tangible. And no matter what is being thrown at us culturally, we stay strong. We stay strong and we don't delay. Come on, y'all. Time is (laughs) a-wasting, or it's a-ticking. Life is a blessing, but there is this whole other side. If you look at Scripture, and I know it's like 30 40% prophetic, so much of the prophetic word speaks to the end, so we can be prepared and aware and not lose hope and not get caught up in the things and not be those that fall away and are deceived but we're strong and we stay committed and obedient in the midst of craziness. That's why I'm telling you this so you can be aware. I'm telling you this so you can be aware, so you can discern the times, so you can see underneath, like read beneath, sense what's really going on. There is an enemy that is out for your soul, our soul. He desires nothing more than to deceive And he does it not by looking like an angel of darkness, but an angel of light. And it looks good. It sounds good. It feels good. But it's about serving flesh. And it's about elevating mankind. And it's about elevating every whim and, and instinct of mankind and serving and worshiping that. And we say, no, our lives are sacrificed for Jesus. And we put to death all things for Jesus. And we follow him. It's in direct contrast to the message of the world. 
We have to discern lawlessness. We have to discern what the enemy is doing and creating chaos and division. We have to sense that he knows that we're stronger together. And we need each other to encourage and to strengthen and to speak wisdom and to call each other out when we're deceived and say, don't do that. Come on. We all need a healthy kick from somebody. Right? And if you don't have somebody, if you don't have voices around you that are speaking clear wisdom, get some. You need it. Because the world, again, is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And the world is rejoicing and embracing it like it's the best thing that ever happened. And Jesus is up there saying, no. You're destroying yourselves. You are worshiping flesh. You are worshiping flesh. And anyone that does not worship flesh and bow at the altar of flesh is somehow someone that has to be silenced and stopped. And Jesus was the first one. He went against the grain. And he died because of it. Guess what I'm not trying to do? Scare you. To encourage you. Our eyes have to be open, you all. It has to be open to what is happening so that we can be strong together and know that, hey, we're good. We are good no matter what comes. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. He can kill the flesh, but he cannot kill the spirit. i rather worship God in spirit and just submit my flesh to him. His temporary gratification, it's just that. But we have eternity to live with those results. Come on, y'all. It's serious, isn't it? I didn't go on like this. I see I'm delaying. I'm excited to do life with you. I'm excited for our prayer night. Guys, this is just not some fun little church gathering that we're going to have. No, we're coming together to worship the Lord and to seek his face and to cry out on behalf of our families and our church and our community. We are coming together to admit that we need to repent. We have to come together to admit that we have been caught up in the whims and the whims of the devil and his schemes and gotten concerned about other things. And it's caused delay. And in that, God is faithful to rise, raise you up, make beauty from ashes and put your feet on solid ground and send you. That's what this is about. We are a church who serves a living God, a powerful God, and we have to come together and worship and to pray as a unit. And there's a connectivity that happens when the Spirit of God is present. And I just met this guy for the first time this week, right here, my man, Tom. I'm about to cry because he's moving. You changed my week. He had the courage to come and talk to me about something that was so specific and it hit me right in the heart and it changed me. Thank God for your courage. Bless you for your courage. And I'm praying for you and know that you're doing the right thing and God is going to bless your footsteps. I'm sorry for pointing you out, but I just felt the Spirit move me and say, I got to have courage. Say, bless you, brother. You're a man of God. You are a man of God and you're a mighty warrior and that sword is stuck to your hand and I need you in my life. And it inspired me. I can't even tell you. And I have the same heart for you guys. Do not get caught up in the things of the world. Because it's easy to do. Guys, 
Jesus. We are Christians and we are followers of Jesus. And we have to speak courage into one another. And we have to know that we are here to stand for righteousness and holiness and for the commands and the way of God who is a good God, a loving God, a God that is full of grace and mercy but says your life is over as you know it. It's a new life. And we stand for good news and the world tries to say it's bad. But we will not. We will die on this hill. Won't we? We're going to die on this hill. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the spirit of your spirit, Lord, the Holy Spirit that makes what is invisible so real. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for what you have brought together. Lord, that we are all at different levels of faith, but we have been called together for a purpose bigger than ourselves. Lord, I pray that courage would be sparked in a way that says, I am changed. I am changed. I don't want to live like I'm living anymore. It's not worth it to delay. I'm just delaying life. I'm delaying victory. I'm delaying strength. I'm delaying power. I'm delaying like true victory and transformation. Lord, help all of us, Lord. Help us see opportunity and to just follow and obey. Yours is the outcome. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. You are king. You are our king. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.